This is our next equipping seminar, which is all about the DNA of guiding and leadership in general uh, within this ministry. And uh, let me just tell you who's on stage with us uh, today for the panel. I should have introduced the last group, and I failed to do that. I also failed to pray beforehand, so I'm going to start with that. Uh, so let me uh, let me just pray for this session. Lord, thank you for uh, this group of, of seekers and believers and disciple makers, and uh, thank you for just calling this, these people to be here at this time and place for such a time as this. Thank you for this session, Lord. Let there be clear understanding. Let there be unity of the Spirit. Let there be blessing as we as we just learn more about how to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. So on my right is Eric Pate. He's a board member. Um, he went through the journey uh, for the first time. I think his guide might have been Rocky Fleming. Is that right? And uh, one of the first groups in Arkansas after, not the initial one, but in the first few years. So Eric's got a lot of experience, and he even got, we, we got it together one time. It was great. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, Elizabeth Doust, she, her husband, Michael, uh, is our new regional director for Influencers Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, Elizabeth is a leader, and uh, you, I think you got thrust in leadership even in your first journey group, didn't you? A little bit, yeah. Kind of like what uh, you were talking about, Terry, uh, that one of the co-guides dropped out or something and they needed, you had to step up, right? So, uh, we'll pass this around if we need it. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, Elizabeth's uh, a women's leader in her own right, and so her and Michael are a great co-labor team, kind of like Jay and Nicole in Memphis. Um, it's going to be awesome to have, have a man and wife leading the men and the women. So uh, Roberta Hoppy is in Memphis. Uh, you heard of her last night. So she helped lead the first women's group in Memphis, has led multiple women's groups, and is, is really part of the women's leadership there. Are you on the board, too? Oh, you, yeah, she's on the Memphis board. So the Memphis board has... Uh, men and women on their on the regional board. So, uh, and that's something we might we'll be talking about how we're structured a little bit as we go on. To Kyle Neely's on our board is our global board as well. Uh, he's. Uh, he was one of the first guys that really um, proved that you could lead the journey. You don't have to lead it in a church. You can lead it in the marketplace. He worked at Tyson Foods, was an executive at Tyson Foods, and he and another guy, um, another Tyson guy, had gone to something like this. And, and this is kind of what can happen out of something like this, is they were inspired to go take their, their co-workers through the journey. So they went back, and they decided... To, Instead of uh, just running out and making it all happen, they decided to start praying. As you've heard us talk about the DNA of, of prayer, um, they start praying, and then God gave them a list of people. And they, but you prayed for a few months, didn't you, Kyle? A few months before they even did anything. And then they invited all these guys to a meeting and told them they'd like to invite them on this journey and handed out journey books. And how many groups started? Eight. Eight groups started out of that effort, you know, at Tyson Foods in a in a secular, you know, publicly owned uh, company. So pretty cool, huh? So these guys know something about leadership and guiding journey groups. So, um, uh, I guess my first question we'll do we'll start with a question, and then you guys be thinking about what you'd like to ask them about leading within influencers or guiding groups. Um, what would you guys say you've witnessed? 
what are some characteristics of strong leaders you've seen within influencers? And I guess you have Mike, Eric, so you can start. Unless I'm just going to hand it to Robert. Okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Ladies first, okay. Gosh, that's a that's a, a loaded question. Strong leaders. I think the the best thing I can think about is a strong leader is someone who knows how to let the Holy Spirit lead rather than themselves. And I have to say in my own experience that I, I probably came into guiding a journey group um, thinking I was a strong, strong leader and um, going on my leadership capabilities in the past and learning over the last eight years that uh, I have to um, dismantle that whole thing and allow God the, through the Holy Spirit to lead. Um, and the more that I get out of the way, the better he can take over and lead. And, you know, that's strong leadership in my mind. It's like Paul said, you know, even in my weakness, God shows his strength. And um, and I, I think that if you've guided a group, you've experienced this where you, you um, feel completely weak going into the journey session. Um, and I've experienced that many, many times where I'm just like, oh, I can't do this. Um, and then you feel that you're actually ready for the spirit to lead. And in, in our weakness, he shows himself strong all the time. Well, I want to say this. Um, the most important leaders in this ministry are not the staff people and all that. It's the guides. There are lay leaders all over the country, all over the world. The, the guides are the most important leaders probably in this whole. Without strong guides, we don't have a ministry, you know. So, go ahead. Um. I just want to say, I think the biggest thing is to be humble and really to allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead it. Um, I have to take everything that I've ever learned in the military, everything I even teach leadership <laughs> to middle schoolers. So I have to take everything that I've ever, that you learn that you teach in some of that and really go back to some of that servant leadership, but just really take any of those things out. And I think I learned so much watching Michael go through it first. Um, anyone who knows him and anyone who's known him for a long period of time, he was a Marine and a firefighter and just very, very type A, very just going through things. And of course he married a very type A personality person. And so I think just watching him be so humble and just totally be in complete utter prayer about everything and just praying for people going through it and just being patient and just sitting back and like, I'm watching this and I'm like, are, are we going to go, go? Like, are we going to go? And just like having to sit back and be like, no, this is not how the Lord works. He doesn't like, you have to sit and be patient and just allow him to work through you work through your group and just allow the Holy spirit to work. So, um, and take yourself completely out of it. I, I have to say this, um, cause I mean, Michael was banging his head up against the wall and getting frustrated with us. Like we weren't, we weren't moving fast enough to make them a region or whatever. And, uh, getting a little bit frustrated and he kind of voiced it to me a little bit, but, um, it was a session just like this. He was sitting right down there and, and all of a sudden tears start coming down and it's like, he finally got it. That it wasn't about what he wanted. 
it's like, what does the Lord want for Dallas-Fort Worth? You know, and, and it, some, somehow or another, it's like he finally learned he's got to get out of the way. And then things started kind of rolling after that, you know, and so it was beautiful. You know, so it's amazing what can happen when we all come together. So anyway, Eric, what would you say? So... I uh, I keep thinking about the scripture and when Jesus is about to go up to heaven and he says, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. I'll be with you always. And, you know, he's not asking for people that are qualified. He's asking for people that are obedient. And so it's, you know, there's some things in the Christian walk that have to do with some sort of giftedness or not, but discipling people is really not an option. It's, it's our, it's our gift. And so, um, I think you're most qualified when you just step up and obey, even when you feel like you're not qualified. Um, just, just add a perfectly answered, in my opinion, what you ladies just said, and and, and Eric. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I always speak from my own experiences, and um, when I my very first group that I guided, I was I was putting it all on me. I was thinking I had to be this teacher, this you know, and I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said. It's not on you. It's on me. And just like Eric said, you know, what, what did Jesus tell us? He said he had to go away because if he didn't go away, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. And what did he tell us the Holy Spirit was to us? Our guide, our counselor, our teacher. And, and he's, he's who works through us. We are the ones that keep him from doing that. And so we got to step aside and say, okay, Holy Spirit, have your way. So I don't know if this has come up, is going to come up in any of the questions, but I tell people all the time, if you are not praying that the Holy Spirit would speak through you and your co-guide, you are missing it. You should be asking him to speak through you. I, I've, I prayed for us before we came up here and I said Holy Spirit speak through us use us don't let the, the ladies hear us let them hear you and and he honors that he do, does the same thing when you lead a group guide a group well and, and I, I'm the executive director so I get to deal with all these regional directors like Les Piercy and Frank Khalil and if you know any of these guys they're pretty strong personalities. Um, and, you know, I kind of view my job as to help shepherd those guys, but it's like shepherding stallions. <laughs> they don't want to be shepherded. Um, I'm trying to, like, hang on to the rope, and they're dragging me across the field. But, um, and then they trample me a few times. But um, um, anyway, uh, but you know what? They're very strong, but they, they know when to get out of the way. They know when to put themselves... They are servant leaders. They're very strong. If, if they were just operating in their flesh, they would... And that's why Rocky was so guarded. He would have been one of those guys that could just run over people, you know. But he's learned to put his ego, check his ego, and, and come and become a servant leader. And it's so it's, you don't have to just do away with your personality if you're a strong-willed person. you got to channel it, you know, in the right direction. But... Uh, 
So what questions do you guys have about uh, leaders within influencers, whether it be staff, people, or, or you know, how we're organized, or, or being a journey guide? You know, if there's any carryover questions from the last deal about being a journey guide or anything, any questions coming up? Yeah. So just suggestion, um, when, you, when you invite the ladies to your journey group, this is my first year as a guide, so do you let them know it's a nine-month journey, or do you let them know we're going to start with six weeks, and then after that, then you invite them on the nine-month journey? What do you suggest? I've done it both. Well, I always tell people that it is a nine-month process, um, but we've recently tried to do an intro previous to starting the nine-month process so that people can get a taste of the actual Journey to the Inner Chamber book and see at the end of that intro who wants to make the commitment for nine months. So um, I, I know that some people haven't done that and they've almost tricked people into <laughs> staying, you know, and they didn't realize they were signing up for a nine month or whatever. But, um, in our, in our experience, um, we, we try to have people make a commitment to the process because otherwise you end up with that kind of attrition that you get with Bible studies where people just think they can jump in and out and, and that will be fine for this process, which we know, we all know that's not fine. It's not going to, um, you know, by the, you start up with 12 and then you end up with three because they didn't realize how hard it was going to be to make a nine month commitment. So we always do that up front and say, we know that this sounds like a really long time, but you would be surprised how fast it goes. So, so we, we always try now to do some kind of an intro so that they get a taste at the end of the intro, they can make that commitment and then we go forward from there. Um, we've done a little bit of both, but I mean, our, our church doesn't really allow us to promote for women right now. Our previous women's director did not allow us to do anything through the church. So it's been, we've been very open about it. Um, honestly, and most of the women who we've had go through at Dallas Fort Worth, their husbands have gone through it. So they're pretty aware of what they're getting themselves into. So we haven't had to, but I know the guys really try to, um, we have a new women's director, so we have a new person to work on. Um, so <laughs> me and Denise were just talking about that. We're like, Oh, um, but you know, they do certain six weeks throughout the year and then realizing that they'll start nine months every so often. So they'll try to do that six or seven weeks where they do kind of the intro and then like ask for people to commit to it. So I just think it depends on your dynamics. Well, let me just give you a little history. So in the beginning, um, there, there, you joined the journey and you're in the journey. I mean, like there, there was no, there was no preview. You read the journey in the chamber and there were, there was a two week, uh, session on the journey, one on part one, one on part two, as it, it was even in the journey manual. You know, so you started out with that, but you're already committed. Well, then um, Frank over in Tulsa was asking Rocky if he could uh, write a little uh, study guide on the Journey to the Chamber so he could take some youth people through it. 
And so Rocky said, sure. So he wrote a six-week study of it. And then um, we start thinking about how churches really love six-week things, right? <laughs> I mean, there's something about six weeks. They don't like nine-month things, but they like six-week things. And so uh, we start thinking, well, maybe this would be a good way that a church could use it, you know, as a either a Sunday school class or a small, you know, a six-week thing. And churches seem to be friendly to that. And then um, it leads you to the point where it's like, it whets their appetite enough that they want more, you know? And I personally, I've had great experience. I haven't had very much attrition. Most people who invest the six weeks, they, they get a little taste of something they want more. And so, uh, so now we really do recommend doing that like a preview, taking them through the six weeks and then inviting them on the journey. And, uh, but I think it's fine if you're up front that there, there's a longer process that, that we have, but you can get a little, preview of it if you go through this little deal and then you don't have to commit to the long one until you and that's why we broke out the materials the way we did used to um, you ordered all your materials you got everything now you, you can just have their journey book and the six-week discussion guide and then order your journey pack if you're going to go on the, the long journey so Kyle or Eric would you have anything in any of that I th I'd like to hear okay so it's it's kind of neat. I'm I'm currently leading a uh, journey group with my pastor Nate Sweeney. I know some of y'all may know him or not know of him. Um, we we were Nate. I asked actually asked Nate recently because I'd never found out. I never knew if he had been through the journey before. He led us through the journey in 2011, and he did. He said he had just gone through the journey right before he led us through the journey in, in 2011. Um, and he had a handful of guides and, and he was actually leading them through the journey. They were just like a month or two ahead of us. And so they were, he was downloading the journey or, you know, using that process. And then they were coming in guiding us. There were 32 of us, I think, in the first group. Not, we, we split up. Um, but we did it very, we still do it today very similar to what we did then. And that is the two week thing with the book. Now, what we do is, is we use the, the little six week guide and we use that, um, to, to help us with, um, some of the questions and commentary around the, the journey to the inner chamber. But we tell people on the front end, this is a nine month process. We don't, we don't hide anything. We, we tell them this is, this is what we're doing. Now, Remember, we are, uh, are what, what is our, what, what, do we, what, what do we stand on, ladies? What is our church? Knowing Christ and making Him known. We are a discipleship church, period. <laughs> and so you heard, you heard um, Brian say that, that I, I led the journey in, my, in the workplace. Um, I was nervous to go to Nate and tell Nate that, hey, I'm not going to lead the journey at church. I'm going to lead it at work. And Nate celebrated that with me. He loved it. As, as a matter of fact, he did everything he could to help me because he said that's what we as a church are all about, discipleship. And so he, you disciple where God has planted you. And, and, and if you can do that at work, if, if your workplace allows you to do that, then he, he, he helped me in any way he could. 
and it was incredible. So I, back to your answer, even at, even at um, um, Tyson, we didn't pull any punches. We told everybody this is a nine-month process. In fact, the guys that I did it with, we bought a whole lot of those. Y'all just We had just come out with the six-week um, study guide, and we tried it the first time, and those guys – Hand gave me all those back and said, "We don't want these anymore." We and, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Don't don't get me wrong. With they just didn't like it. They they said we want to do the two week thing ahead of time, you know, before we start, and then we're moving in, we're ushering in, and so I, I've I've see that work really really well. I, I I don't think that the six week thing is bad, and and when we did it the one time, but that was just just the one time that we did it. Yeah, I think you have to know your group. You know, if you have if you have some newer believers or something like that, or not, some people you're not even sure if they're believers, the six week is really a good thing to camp out on. But there, sometimes you have people that it's like you had me at hello. You know, like like they're they're ready. <laughs> you don't need to do much in the journey of the chamber because they're already ready to go. They're revved up, so you can just do a couple, two or three sessions with them in that. And but the, you know, the journey of the chamber lays out some precepts to whet their appetite that you're going to unpack over nine months in the in the big journey. So. Okay. Other questions? Um, I, I just would say that um, one thing that I've learned is that I, I like to look my guys in the eyes and say, this is a serious commitment that it's not about whether you show up or not. It's, it's that you're showing up for Kyle and you're showing up for, for the rest of the guys and you're doing the work for you and us. And so I want you to, I want you to be ready to know that you're, you're committing. And so if, if you, if you sign up for this thing, that's what we're doing. If, if, if that's not where you're at, God bless you. Maybe we'll catch you another time and, and uh, let them go forward with, uh, um, you know, catching you another time. I loved one of the things that I heard you guys say before a boardroom meeting, you go around and how's your soul? Do you encourage that amongst your group guides that even before each group how's your soul in checking in in that way is that a good idea are you talking about before a journey group meeting yeah so there's there is some check-in time that you generally have um you know i think brian was pointing to the danger of saying well how was your week and you know well you know so it can get kind of chatty and so you, you've got to keep it on the rails there there are things to be done and and it's really more important to talk about well what did you journal what happened in your experience with god during the week is there is there things that we need to pray for yeah that's important and you know hey if, if uh you know if, if your your cat got run over that's sad and we'll pray for you but we don't want to we don't want to spend 15 minutes on that but we, you know if there's something really significant going on in your life sure we we i have parked the session and said we we need to pay attention to this and so it, it's just something you got to fill out but you got to realize we're going somewhere and and in in the two weeks in between we've got an i gotta know what's going on with my guys in their hearts i gotta hear what they've got to say because it's for me and it's for these guys so um i will say that is 
I think Rocky said it earlier. It is one of the nuances with women. Like we do love to talk, right? So like when it talks about that, like check-in time at the beginning, it's really easy to land on there. Or as you're going through, I think our group, our smoke or whatever group was talking earlier. And we were talking about how, like how women can get sidetracked and then we'll start talking or whatever. And so I, I've used it for years. My world, my word is squirrel, squirrel. We need to get back on track. Um, it's kind of funny. People will kind of laugh, but they also know that that means, okay, we kind of need to get back. So there is a check-in time. Like, Hey, how's your week? How your week's been going? Like, how have your time? I check in. How are you doing? You know, um, but find ways that work for your group that how long is that check-in time? You also have to know how long you're going to talk because as you get to know, depending on how big your group is, some women just talk longer than others. Sometimes you have, you don't want to, you want to dismiss the Holy Spirit working through people, but you also don't want somebody monopolizing the meeting by talking too much. And so it is a fine balance and just, Praying for your group ahead of time, just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and just, I mean, if you have to come up, I mean, that's the best way I I just come up with a fun random word that kind of, if we start, cause we do, I mean, we're women, we do like to talk a lot. So, um, it's just part of the nature, but we absolutely check in every, cause it's been two weeks by the time you've seen somebody and sometimes some people you've heard from some you haven't. So I think this is, um, a couple things that I think are really important when you're guiding a group is number one, meeting with your co-guide outside of group time to prepare for the session, praying for the people. And that, I think it's important for you to be asking your co-guide, asking each other, how's your soul? This is kind of a leader question really. Um, but then also, um, dividing your group up and, and taking time outside of group time to meet with the participants. Not very many guides do that, but the ones that do it have the better groups. Um, because there's things that that's where you can kind of ask them, how's your soul and how are you doing and all that and kind of get into some of that stuff that you really just don't have time in an hour meeting or hour and a half meeting to get into all that stuff, you know. So that can be helpful is to meet with the people outside of group time as, as a guide. So someone else had a question I saw a minute ago. Hand go back over here. Hi, thanks. I actually have two, but I'll wait for my next one on the next session because I thought it would be better. But don't you find that it's better to do once a week? Because I've been to them where it's once a week and we stay communication, things are going. I found that every other week people come back and they're lost a little bit. It's been two weeks and they miss it. Then it's been a month. I mean, what has worked best or is, has anybody done weekly like we used to? Okay. So, yeah. So... You heard, uh, you heard me mention how the journey got started. Rocky met with him every two weeks, and he kind of wrote the curriculum in between. So he probably needed, needed two weeks, you know, to write the curriculum. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, so that a lot of groups still do that. And the, the manual's kind of laid out that way and all that. But then people along, somewhere along the way said, I'd rather meet once a week and then cut the session in half so I can be with my people more regularly. So it's kind of what you're talking about. So what has been you, you guys' experience? Um, the first group I was in, we actually met weekly. It was virtual though. Um, and so, I mean, it works, it does work. I mean, it really works either way. I think it's a matter of what works for your group. Um, the group I have now, they want to meet every other week just because of time 
things. And so you also, again, it kind of goes back to knowing your group. What other time things checking in with your group midweek? So if you're meeting every other week, are you sending an email? Are you sending a text message? Are you checking in? Are you calling people? What is that? So like I always, on Wednesdays, always my day, my, my own, my own children have student ministry. So I always know, okay, it's student ministries. It's time to send a text message or something to make sure that I'm checking in to saying, you know, how are you doing? And so hopefully they're not getting lost in the midst of everything, but it works both ways. Again, it's what time commitment is it that they're willing to take? Cause I mean, I'm a mom of school age kids. I have moms of little kids. I've got moms of, you know, a high school graduate. I've got, you know, people with no kids. So I have a range of everything. So you really just kind of have to, gauge that like once the people are committed like okay this is the nine month have that conversation like what works for you so our first two retreats we stayed local they just came to my house and we spent time and I kicked everyone out of my house and luckily I have a big house that kind of goes around and everyone could spread out but for our last retreat we're going away and so you just kind of have to go what works for your group I guess I don't know. Anyone else? Yeah. Any other comments about weekly versus biweekly? Yeah, the um, I, we, I too, I've led every journey group I've led. I've allowed the journey, the, the the group themselves dictate when we needed to meet, if we needed to meet weekly or or every two weeks. Um, and and so and it works both ways. Works great. Now, the thing I always tell people that if you meet weekly and you have to miss, you're only missing one week of of something instead of two weeks. Um, however, I would tell you the one thing that I have struggled with with my groups is is um, it, it's almost like, especially with men, I don't know if it's this way with women, but especially with men, it's almost like you just get started good and you're shutting it down. Whereas with two hours every two weeks, you you got you have more time to really, I'll call it marinate in in all that. So, oh, uh, sorry, we we would only meet for an hour every two every week, not two hours. Elizabeth, Elizabeth does two hours every week. Okay. Sure. We're you, girls. You know, uh, for me, I've always done the every two weeks, and the thing that's really nice about that, I'm still engaged every week because in my off week, I'm meeting with my co-guide at that same time, and also, you know, it allows me. Um, a little time to, to schedule in my guys to go meet with them. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm preparing for another, another session and another session, and another session for, for me, I just never, I've just never done it. And it sounds unattractive. So, uh, but, uh, but you know, I know a lot of people do it that way. So the answer is it works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Just to f figure out what's best for you and your group. <laughs> other questions. You have to have the mic. Sorry, Faith. Or Grace. Faith. So Faith, sorry. at Catalyst, we, um, we kind of push the idea of accountability partners for our journey groups so that um, the women are meeting outside of the group. Um, and typically it is every other week. So I'm just curious if other regions are, are having accountability partners, et cetera, et cetera. You mean within the group, the participants, you assign them somebody that they're accountable with throughout the whole nine months or different every week or the same person? 
that's, that's, that's an example of flexing the form, right? It's not sacrificing any DNA. It's just a good creative idea. Yeah. Anyone else? Any of you guys know? Yeah. So, um, that's, that's a product of Nate Sweeney. Um, when we, with the very first group that went through it, we did accountability partners. I actually thought that was the way it was supposed to be done. And so when I started doing it, when I was doing it at Tyson, we did it the same way. And then one day, uh, I think we were in a public setting somewhere and I mentioned that and everybody's looking at me like, uh, accountab- what do you mean accountability partners? And so I went to Brian and I said, I said, Isn't, don't, doesn't everybody do accountability partners? He goes, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you, Nate. <laughs> it works, though. Accountability partners does work. And, and we're actually doing that now. I, I, uh, our, our group, we've asked them to, and we don't assign them either, by the way. We ask them to pray about it and, 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 uh, just start meeting with, with, just approach somebody, say, hey, I'd love to be your accountability partner, and start meeting regularly. This, this brings up a, a greater point I want to say, though, is that we, when we say that you're guiding a group, we call it a sacred responsibility. And, because uh, it is. I mean, you're, you're, God's entrusting these people to you for this period of time. But however you lead the group, this is their first time to go through the journey. They'll just think that's how everybody does it. And, and if they reproduce it, they'll do it exactly the way you did it. So does that put a little more burden of responsibility on your shoulders? Right? I mean, just to try to do the best job you can, you know? So you know. Along those lines, let me uh, just say that we have some amazing um, sort of regional coordinators, I would call them, in our area, some men that just have uh, done an excellent job of coordinating their areas. And um, something that I was a part of recently was a guide mentoring morning. So it went from 8 to eight to 12 on a Saturday morning, and um, we just went through a bunch of material and gathered a bunch of guides in our area and just went through the material. And I, to be honest, I I said to somebody that was organizing it, you know, a lot of these guides have, you know, guided for whatever. And so it's hard for them to think that they need to come to a guide mentoring thing, you know, pride, right? And, and his wonderful and, um, very wise response was, well, anytime we sit together as, guides, um, we learn from one another because what Brian just said, a guide who went through, um, the journey with somebody is going to guide how they did, right? Cause they think that that's correct. Well, there's all kinds of ways to do things. And so when you gather and do the guide mentoring, guide training, however you want to put that, um, you can all share together and go back to the DNA, go back to the, um, um, qualifications of guide and all those resources that influencers puts out and you can all go back to ground zero and kind of see, you know, let's remind ourselves of what we're supposed to be doing here and take a responsibility, hearing from other people and how they've done it and sharing, you know, creative ideas. Um, so if your area doesn't do that, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and well, I gotta, I gotta tell you this, this is, this is really something that developed during uh, when the virtual group started exploding, we started realizing, well, we need to train up, have a way to train and mentor guides. Mm -hmm. So I asked 11 uh, seasoned guides if they would help me develop a little guide mentoring deal. And they, we all collaborated and came up with a six week guide mentoring program. And each of them, we put the word out 
And anyway, we ended up, each of them had groups of at least 12. So there was like 144 people that got guide mentoring from all around the country. And what we found is even, even people who had guided before wanted to go back and go through it again. So it's now in the journey leader's guide at the very back, the guide, the six week guide mentoring. A lot of people don't even know that we have that. And the, the idea was after you got a group, now you have a mentoring tool that you can take the people that are interested in going forward and you, you can take one extra step with that group and mentor them into their guiding. And so I have copies of the journey leader's guide. If you don't have a copy of that, I'll give you a copy um, before you leave here this weekend because there's some great tools in there about, about guiding. Yeah, to that point, Kimmy Lee and I are going to uh, do a guide mentoring, guide training process at Catalyst um, soon. Um, but we didn't ask answer Angela's question. So if, if you do um, accountability partners in your regions, would you raise your hand just to, just to answer Angela's question? So that's we're we're unique. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a nice way of putting it. We're unique. By, by the way, there's a virtual guide mentoring starting Monday night, uh, five to six thirty Central Time, starting Monday night, led by Mike Hearn out of Wichita. If you guys are interested, let me know and we'll get you on the list for that. It's via Zoom, obviously. Go ahead. Uh, my question is like. Um, for someone who wants to do the full journey, like they haven't gone through it and groups have already started. Have you heard of them doing it alone? You're talking about somebody just going through the journey by themselves? Yeah. What would you guys say to that? Um, pretty lonely. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty lonely. There's, you, you don't have accountability. Um, I wouldn't say that you couldn't go through it alone, but I would say if you went through it alone, then you should seek out to go through it again with a group. And and that's just as, as simple as that. I would never discourage somebody to not go through it. I just wouldn't. But uh, I, I, and as a matter of fact, I'll say this real quick before I hand Eric the mic. Um, we, we uh, I, one of the guys that I led the journey with at, at Tyson, he, he felt like you had to have a certain person to go through the journey. And um, I, I prayed about two guys one time that, that I felt God really telling me for them to go through the journey. And, and he said, I don't even know if they're saved. And I said, that, that's not up to us. It's, that's, not, that's not up to us. I said, I'm telling you, God has put them on my heart and they need to go through the journey. They just so happened to end up in his group the way the whole thing worked out. And... <laughs> He, we were meeting at the same time. I was meeting in a different, I was meeting at a different part of our company. And, and so he texted me and he said, wow. He said, those two guys literally bawled the whole two hours of their first session. And he said, I am so glad that you listened to the Holy Spirit and that you didn't let me, because he wanted to not have them. He, he's like, I, I do not think they should go through. And I said, you are missing it. You're wrong. I was adamant. And so, again, that's the Holy Spirit thing. You, you need to seek the Holy Spirit because he will help you. And, and um, those guys were the most two transformed guys that I'd ever seen go through the journey in my life. It was incredible to watch them. I was just going to tell you, um, if you're not on Slack, somebody will tell you how to get on Slack. It's a, it's a networking group, and they're putting 
they're putting virtual groups on there all the time, so that there will be a group to join, virtually at least, soon. That's all I was going to say. I was going to say I don't think you have to anymore. I think when we didn't have the virtual piece, you kind of mm, maybe had to be an option. Uh, you know, part of the part of the journey, part of the critical piece of the journey is actually doing it with other people and hearing their encounters with Jesus over the two week period. And not that you and the Holy Spirit couldn't do it. It's just not the design of the church. The body is meant to be a body. It's not meant to be a cell. And so I would I would just say that I don't think you have to do that. If that's where the, the Lord's leading you, I, I you know, I'm not going to gripe with him, but I would say that you don't have to do that. Well, you know, and I was I was thinking I've thought about this before. We talk about the journey being vertically oriented, mm -hmm. but I've also thought you couldn't just take a group of 12 people and give pass out the journey manuals and say, we'll see you back in nine months. and We, we can't wait to hear how, how it went and not have any of the meetings. So there's something about the small group component, which is what Jesus did walking mm -hmm. alongside the disciples. So that part's important to walk it out with the group, you know, as much as the individual part, very important. Um, but uh, I, uh, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to uh, to prompt a few of the ladies to lead a virtual group out of <laughs> this group of people. So I think before the weekend's over, we'll have an opportunity for anybody who wants to go through the journey to go through a virtual group of ladies that are here this weekend. So we'll let you know about that yeah. by tomorrow. I would definitely encourage doing it in a group. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, the first time Michael did it, he did it one-on-one. -on -one. Um, he did it with Pete McKenzie. He's been his mentor years and years previous, but he still had that accountability they would have. But it was because he was a fireman and their schedule is so out of whack that he just, I mean, you can't even do a virtual group at that point because your schedule is so, and he just really felt like that was what he needed to go through. But I mean, there are so many groups available on almost every night of the week and whatever else. So, I mean, just find your people, find some people to go along and go on the journey with you. So, cause he said once he, he went through it and then once he went through it with a group, he says, it's just, it's a completely different dynamic. So, so as much as we're praying about God sending us the people, you can be praying about Lord, give me a group, you know, and, uh, can I just ways. say one more thing about that too? Um, I had a, um, journey group last year, two years ago, really. Um, and then last year there was one person who kept on saying she couldn't make that group. And so she last year tried to take one of the people that was going to be in the group with her to do it separately. And, um, it was like the Holy Spirit was just telling me this, there's something not right about this. I just felt like it wasn't right because she was trying to take someone out of a group and do it just one-on-one -on -one with another person. And so it's, I think it's part of the Holy Spirit's plan to wait on him to show you the group and, um, and not separate because we as women tend to separate from one another. And so part of the whole group thing is to be together and have that accountability, but also just to be able to have the transparency that we don't like to have with other women. So all that to say, I would encourage you to just, like we all said, to just really seek that group that God wants you to be in and then you know, he'll, he'll take it from there. If, if you have 
if you have the heart for that, he's gonna he's gonna put you in a group. And I, I think somebody else that I've talked to this weekend, I think maybe Gail was saying that you know she was ready to go through it and there wasn't any group. But at the right time, it says in the word, at the right time, God and He will. Maybe one more question. This is just to kind of piggyback on that question. Okay, I, I heard you say groups, but I didn't hear you say like what you recommend as a minimum group size. Okay, so what is the minimum group size? Minimum? <laughs> or so, maximum? Maybe. So me and Brian did a group of 24 guys. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. But it, <laughs> it was a lot. And it so, was a little bit too big. I, I, yeah, so... 24 women, you'd never get out. So, um, was, it, was it fruitful and was it great? Yeah. But... Um, you know, I would say ideal is probably eight to ten guys, maybe, including the guides. She's saying minimum, I think, because... Oh, a minimum size. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, ooh, sorry, I didn't hear that good. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's the smallest one you've ever done? Smallest one I've ever done? Probably about six, maybe. So, But I, had, I did know a guy that did, you know, he'd get two buddies and meet at Chick-fil-A, so... So you've seen two guys, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two guys. Any other thoughts from you guys? I don't know if there is a minimum. I mean, obviously you want to have a couple of people in there just to have the discussion, but I don't know. I think sometimes if you look at the stuff, they'll always say, oh, recommended like 12. And I don't know, like for women, sometimes that can be hard. You'll definitely have to split up because we do tend to talk a little bit more. Um, but I feel like... I don't know. I don't know if there's a minimum, but where two or more are gathered, gathered yeah. with them. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I have a group of six, so there's seven of us right now, and I feel like we're a perfect size because we do talk. It's enough time for everybody to share. It's enough time for everyone to kind of delve that everyone is enough different because you get those those differentiations of gifts and stuff like that. So we all kind of counterbalance each other and stuff as well. And so it's it's good to have some of that diversity, but. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm not sure that there is a minimum either. Um, I, I would be real concerned about letting it get too large. Um, uh, and I know we're about to close down, so I feel like this is important for anybody that has not led a group before um, and you're thinking about leading. Um, it is critical that you set some ground rules at the beginning. And I think we talk about that in the training. But um, I've never led a group that didn't have at least one individual that consumed the meeting or would try to consume the meeting. So as I, as I uh, set the ground rules for my group, but when we start off, I ask them to not, to not do that, that there are however many other men in the group and that we all have something we want to share. And that if one person consumes the, the time, nobody, not everybody's going to get to share. And uh, unfortunately, even though you do that, it doesn't always work. But that does give you the opportunity to, to then meet with that person one-on-one -on -one and remind them of that. 
And so that, that just kind of gives you an on-ramp to do that. If you kind of set the rules on the front end and then if, if it doesn't work, then you can meet with them one-on-one. Um, and it's, I don't really understand that, but it happens. Um, it just, you just have, I think they're just zealous and want to share and just, and, and, and the other thing that I tell people all the time is silence is okay. Yeah. Please just don't think you have to break the silence. Um, let, let it be quiet. Somebody's the Holy Spirit's working on somebody in that group and wants to say something through that person. And if, and I tell my group, don't, don't think you have to talk unless the Holy Spirit is unctioning you. That's when you have to talk. But if, if it's, if it's silent, then let it be silent because just give it a few seconds and the Holy Spirit is going to going to option somebody to, that, and, and he's already working on them. So I just think that's critical. I truly, truly do. If you can get that set on the front end, it'll be amazing how your group will go. Um, it's just, and it's, it's a shame that, that there are some, some people that just can't stand that and they just consume the meeting. But what you're saying is the guide might be consuming the meeting, right? <laughs> you as the guide might be spot talking too much, right? And consuming the meeting. That's a great point. You said that. That's exactly right. It can be. Well, Rick Warren says every small group has an EGR, extra grace required. And he said, if you can't think who it is, it might be you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do want just um, when he was speaking, it's just talking about that silence and just allowing the Holy Spirit. And just I think it's always good to remember, too, that all of our our women, our men, whatever, they're different. Right. And so you have people who don't think like this, right? Like a lot of people who are leaders who are whatever, we're very quick thinking. We like to respond. We want, we don't like silence, right? We don't like that. But there are so many people out there. I know this is the teacher side of me coming out. Sorry. Um, But there's so many people who need that time to process, to dwell in that, to sit in it and just let it go and let the Holy Spirit kind of flow through them. And it's so hard for some of us, I'm speaking to myself as well, like to have that silence to just sit there and be like, okay, it's silent. But I've sat there and allowed that uncomfortableness to happen. And it's just become some of the most fruitful times. Just allow that to happen and things will just flow out. So... And I, I'm, I think you have to say that up front, like, it's okay for it to be quiet. And please, for those of you who always feel like, you know, and just say it like the general statements, so you're not pointing anyone out, right? So just if anyone feels like, just realize that everyone has their own processing time and allow that silence to happen so the Holy Spirit can lead through. I would also encourage you to, if, if you get a lot of questions, I, I answer a question with a question so that I put it back on them uh, or the group because I really want the group to talk as a, as a guide. I, I don't, I don't, I want to throw the question out there. It's almost like throwing, throwing the bait out there and you're just wanting somebody to take the bait. Right. And so I try to, I, I try to say as little as I can. And so if I get asked a question, I try to answer that question with a question and, and get them to talk. And that's something that, you know, it's just something I've learned through the years.
with me